This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. You know, if you listen to what he has to say, he's not such an idiot. Aww. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. So glad to have you here on a Wednesday drive, where I think Hubert Davis is getting a bad rap right now. I know it's hard, but you can hold multiple ideas in your head at the same time. Both of these things can be true. North Carolina is not a contender in the ACC this season, and Hubert Davis is doing a good job as its coach. I think Hubert's off to a good start in Chapel Hill. It just doesn't seem like fans feel like that's the case because expectations were out of control. They were out of control because Carolina fans, let's face it, they've been spoiled. Spoiled by having one of the five greatest coaches in the history of the sport for 18 seasons. And then three years before that, maybe the greatest assistant coach ever, who took them to two Final Fours where that wasn't enough, and before that had one of the five greatest coaches in the history of the sport for nearly 30 years or so. 35, 37, however many years Dean Smith ended up coaching in Chapel Hill. That's a really high bar for somebody to meet and to meet it right away. The reality is this. Hubert Davis is coaching a borderline top 25 team that will be the 7, 8, or 9 seed in one bracket of the NCAA tournament last year. In one of those regions, they will be a 7, an 8, or a 9 with proper guidance. If Hubert was a bad coach, then maybe they have setbacks and don't make the NCAA tournament. I don't think that's going to happen because I've seen enough signs early on to say that Hubert has North Carolina trending in the right direction. Last night was a perfect example of this. They face App State, who's pretty good, that pushed Duke last week at Cameron, and that game never really felt like it was in doubt. We're already seeing growth in a short period of time for this group. The defense was such a problem the first four or five games of the year, allowing 80-plus points to Brown and... 80-plus points to College of Charleston. Obviously, the weekend at Mohegan Sun didn't go well. But they learned their lesson from that. And ever since Mohegan Sun, sans the Kentucky game last Saturday that I'm choosing to burn the tape of and completely throw in the trash, it seems they've played a lot better defense. They've also learned their lesson from the Asheville game, where I don't think they played very well in. They were looking ahead to Michigan. They looked like they were feeling sorry for themselves. I really questioned the maturity of this team at that time. But then they played Furman before they were set to play either UCLA or Kentucky. Ended up being Kentucky was supposed to be UCLA at the time. Furman's really good. Already beaten Louisville in their building. And North Carolina handled the Palatins. That was a really good win. Going to Charleston and winning that game was a really good win. And then last night, 
It would have been easy to look ahead to the holidays, go through the motions, feel sorry about yourself after losing to Kentucky. Instead, they were aggressive and played with their hair on fire, a lot like Kentucky did coming off of the Notre Dame loss, and they took care of their business. That's a sign of growth. And the world gets out of the way for those who know what they want. What they want in life, direction that they're looking for, direction that they're wanting to take, and Hubert pretty clearly knows what he wants the identity of this basketball team to be. This was him after the game last night. We have to have that uh, blue-collar mentality where we're diving on loose balls, where we're very physical in box outs and rebounding and doing all the little and dirty things that you have to do every day just to put yourself in a position to be successful. So I don't, I don't think our identity is that right now. I don't think we have an identity other than, you know, we can we can score, we can shoot, we, we've got versatility on the offensive end. But I will say that's what I want our identity to be. By the end of the year or through ACC, I want us to have the reputation of, of being um, a very tough team, um, a team that always brings max effort and, um, and energy out there on the floor. Hubert Davis is off to a good start in Chapel Hill. It's not because of pie in the sky, what the team can be, or simply they're not a contender and they still have a winning record right now. If you're looking for something a little bit more tangible to justify saying that Hubert's doing a good job through the first month and change of the season, I think this is probably the best example of it. Hubert hasn't lost to a team you'd consider to be underneath Carolina. They haven't lost to a lesser, or I'd even say equal team. The three teams that North Carolina was beaten by all ranked in the top 25, and deservedly so. Kentucky, Purdue, and I'm forgetting one of the three teams that North Carolina, Tennessee. Tennessee. Look at you, Nick, jumping in there. Nick Dioli. Here on the show today, Robert Walsh, the producer of the show, taking your calls at 336-777-1600. You could object to the margin in the Tennessee game, and certainly the margin, the 29-point loss to Kentucky. But I want to get that worked up about that because that's something that happens in college basketball. There's kind of like this notion where we lionize people and make it seem like they were perfect and they were the greatest thing, and we do this with basketball coaches. We deify these folks. And with Roy Williams, it almost seems like Tar Heel fans are forgetting some of these bad losses that Roy would have where people would freak out and say that he doesn't know what he's doing. A couple years ago, there was a game against Ohio State where that happened. Marquette, I think, qualifies earlier this calendar year. I certainly remember the post-game of that one. It happens in college basketball. But the reality is those three losses, Tennessee, Purdue, and Kentucky, those three teams are ranked in the top 25 because they're better than North Carolina is. Mac Brown, who was a guest on today's show, you know, he made a Hall of Fame career out of beating the teams you're supposed to beat, beating the teams that are on equal grounding as you, while having more difficulty beating teams that are more talented than you are. That's a tough deal. When he went to Texas, he didn't face a lot of teams that were more talented than he was. That were more talented than the 
talent he was able to bring in at the University of Texas, and that's why he won a national title. Hubert Davis, he's at that type of school, and that's a good sign because Hubert's going to be able to recruit, and we're seeing that with next year's class, even though there's not a five-star player in it, but bringing in talent from the from the transfer portal, high school recruiting. If he can recruit top-level talent, he's a good enough coach, I feel, to win games he's supposed to win. You look across the ACC. There are really good coaches who are losing games against teams that are not as good as they are. I mentioned Louisville versus Furman. I mentioned, I didn't mention this, but Florida State has had some bad losses already this year. Everybody across the league has teams they are better than that they've lost to. North Carolina is not one of those teams. I think that's a testament to Hubert. I think he's off to a good start in Chapel Hill. He's, I wouldn't say he's exceeded my expectations because I think I thought he was going to be a really good coach, but he's off to a good start. On Twitter, at WSJS Sports, if you want in, 336-777-1600. Robert Walsh is taking your phone calls today. And this is a question that I have. I'm going to be headed to Cameron tonight. Number two, Duke facing Virginia Tech. How many times does Duke lose at home this year? It's Coach K's final ride. Is Coach K going to lose at Cameron at any point? John Rothstein, he pointed this out. Duke doesn't have another ranked team left on its schedule. It probably would have been a lot easier to say that Duke is the only ranked team in the ACC currently, and they open up ACC play tonight. But, as it stands, who's going to go into Cameron and beat the Blue Devils this year? I think one of the teams that has a shot is Virginia Tech. Maybe the best shot. 9 o'clock, ESPN 2. Jay Billis, Dave O'Brien going to be on the call. I think the Hokies can win this game. I'm not sure if you saw it on Twitter, but they announced what uniforms they're going to be wearing. These old school, dark blue, Duke old school script jerseys. They look fantastic. Can't wait to see that later on tonight. But I can't wait to see it because I think it's going to be a really good game. Let's face it, Duke, they're a lot better than everybody else in the league by a ton. Only ranked team, that's probably enough to justify it, but they're also ranked in the top three. And I don't know where else you find lottery picks in next year's draft across the ACC other than Duke. And Duke might have three of them. And those three guys might not be the best players on the team. Because Wendell Moore Jr., I think, has been the best player across the league. He, he and uh, Alondis Williams, the first month and change of the season. So Duke's the best team. They're the best team by a bunch. Coach K is playing and coaching with a different level of urgency than he normally does, given that it's his last year. You can sense that with the guys. So it's going to be tougher to pick games off of him at Cameron, but I do think there's one on there that's going to happen, and it could be tonight. So don't overreact if it does happen. Virginia Tech, they have the coach and they have the talent to win this game. I don't see a lot of teams that check both those boxes in the league. Who else? I think it's too soon to say that with Hubert and North Carolina. I think they have the talent. We saw it last year, even though Duke wasn't that good. Hubert, still the jury's out on whether or not he's a great coach. Hey, I'm going to go on the road and be the top five team in Cameron. Plus, that would be Coach K's final game in Cameron. Good luck winning that one if you're Hubert Davis. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm there yet with Hubert. I think it's too soon to say it with Wake. 
I believe in Steve Forbes, but we'll see what this talent is and how it holds up during an ACC season. So if we write both of those teams off, Virginia's going in there. They have the coach, but they don't have the talent. I saw them in person Saturday in Charlottesville. That's not the case. Woof. Louisville doesn't go to Cameron. So I think you're really down to these three, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, and Florida State. Any of those three teams going to go in there and beat Duke? I think Tech might. I really like this team. Second or third best team in the ACC. I think Mike Young might be the most underrated coach in college basketball. Brian Geisiger, who will be with us at 530, he said once that he would take Mike Young over any ACC coach right now from an X's and O's standpoint. And if he's saying that, that means a lot to me. really does. And of late, I think it's significant that the Hokies have been more tested in the month of December than Duke has. Now, Duke's had a great schedule. The first month of the year, they played Gonzaga, they played Kentucky, they played Ohio State. But after that Ohio State loss, they had the first two weeks of December off. And then here's the games that they've played since then. Last week, they played in a row, South Carolina State, App State, Elon. Meanwhile, you look at Virginia Tech's basketball schedule, the Hokies, they're, they're playing really good teams. The month opened up with them going on the road to Maryland and beating the Terrapins. Then they faced Wake. Lost that game by a ton, but that's pretty good competition. Cornell had eight wins when they faced off. Won that game by 30. Went to Dayton. That's tough competition. Faced St. Bonaventure on Friday, and that might be the best ACC win we've seen for any team so far this year. Eh, probably not because Duke has those wins against Kentucky and against Gonzaga, but if we take Duke off the table... St. Bonaventure was ranked top 50 in Ken Palm, and Virginia Tech beat the brakes off them. Won that game by 37 points. So I guess what I'm saying is, I do think Duke is going to lose one game at home, at least one game in Coach K's final ride, and it would not surprise me in the slightest if it was Virginia Tech at 9 o'clock tonight. I need the advice of a professional. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Earmuffs, Nick. NC State took one on the chin last night. Wright State. NC State losing to Wright State right after it lost to Richmond. And they sit right now with seven wins on the season as ACC play starts. I think we're looking at the worst NC State team we've seen in 20 years. And I've got stuff here to back that up. Other than last year's COVID season, which was shortened 10 games than a conventional year, they finished over 500 last year and I think played 21 games, 14 and 7. NC State has not won fewer than 15 games since the 2000 2001 season with Herb Sendak. They have seven wins right now. Are you telling me that after losing to Richmond and losing to Wright State convincingly at home, that the pack is going to finish? Close to 500 in ACC play. A 20-game ACC schedule. They're going to finish 8-12. and 
to get to 15 wins? Because I don't see it. Now, maybe they can improve a great deal. I think Kevin Keats is a really good coach. What they did in February after Devin Daniels went down was unbelievable. Winning four or five consecutive games on the road, something that hasn't happened since David Thompson was on campus and NC State went unbeaten in 1974. But I look at this roster, I don't see good things. Seven wins heading into conference play, 20-game conference record. The Pack really, really struggling. The last time they finished under 500 in a season was Dennis Smith Jr. season. So five years ago. That was the last time the Pack was under 500. They were also under 500 the year before that, but they had NBA draft picks on that team. Then you have to go back to C.J. Leslie to find the last time that State was under 500, his last year with the Wolfpack. And before that, it was J.J. Hickson's last year in Raleigh. The point I'm making is, when State in the last 20 years has been bad finishing under 500, they've at least had NBA talent on the team, like draft picks. When I look at this pack roster, who's the draft pick? Darion Sebron? Maybe he's a pro? Maybe. But I strongly doubt that he's going to be a draft pick, and it really didn't have to be this way. Manny Bates, hurt in the opener, that loss can't really be overstated. Best defensive player might even be the best defensive center in the ACC. He was an important offensive player when you consider how often he would initiate pick-and-roll offense. I don't know who the next best guy in doing that is. The Pack wanted to build rosters like Florida State has with a ton of depth, a ton of athleticism, run up and down the floor and have these massive guys in the paint standing in the middle, they don't have that massive guy this year, and they do not have depth anymore either, so they can't play the way that Kevin Keats wants to play. The irony of all of this is Wake Forest, I think by resume and by eye test, has been the second best team in the ACC thus far. A team that hasn't finished better than ninth in the ACC in 11 years is the second-best team in the league. Nobody else other than Duke is ranked in the top 25. Leave it to NC State. The year that the NCAA gives them a favorable ruling and says that they do not get a postseason ban and it coincides with the year that North Carolina is breaking in a new coach and the league isn't all that strong, this is the year that NC State's going to have maybe its least talented team in 20 years. That is the most NC State thing I've heard in a pretty long time. Maybe the curse isn't broken after all that Dave Doran was talking about after the Clemson win. Nick, anything that you push back on that I've said? No, not at all. Um... I think you hit everything right. And I keep thinking like, oh, well, the conference is down. We should get a lot of wins out of that. But if you can't beat Wright State and Richmond, it's really hard to find any hope that's left on the schedule for us to at least be 500. You're looking at the ACC schedule the way I imagine Miami Dolphin or Jet fans look at their schedule each year. 
thinking, oh, yeah, we, we got wins on the schedule. We play the Jets twice. Well, yeah, yeah, look at these games. Yeah, we have to play these teams twice. Not knowing that the other team, the Dolphins, the Jets fans are looking at their schedule thinking, oh, yeah, we play the Dolphins twice. Exactly. That's what we got. Yeah. So state fans, they, they can look at it and say, yeah, the league's down. We're going to get all these wins. Not thinking that every team that you're playing on your schedule is looking at you on their schedule thinking, that's a W. That's what they're thinking. So I, I don't see this team getting the eight wins in, in, in the ACC this year. And if they have fewer than 15 wins on the year, then it is statistically the worst season in NC State basketball of the last 20 years. And it happens. I think it's even further exacerbated by the fact that <laughs> the league's not that good this year. And that still happens. The only thing that I will push back on, it's not th nothing that you said. Uh, I think I'm more talking to the NC State fans on Twitter is that we should let go of Keats. I, I kind of disagree with that. Uh, even though Are a lot of people actually saying that, or is this like the fringe internet I think it's thing more where of seven a, people say it? I think it's more of an overreaction, but uh, no, people are saying that on Twitter, at least what from what I'm seeing. I follow a lot of NC State accounts, but it I, I don't think you, we should freak out and call for Kevin Keats's head. That's right. You know, he we're dealing with injuries. We're dealing with a very young team, and it seems to be like a broken record the last couple of years with everybody saying that injuries, young team. But it's really is true this year, and we got this five star recruit coming in next year. So the year after, maybe or the year after, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But it's not good this year. There's it's a chance really that not. there's a chance that Dillingham could reclassify for next year. I've already seen some of those rumors out there, but. Here's the part where NC State fans don't lose the forest from the trees here. NC State, if you were to fire Kevin Keats in some crazy hypothetical, how many years have I heard NC State fans talking about, oh, I'll tell you when we make up ground on Carolina and Duke, when Kay and Roy retire? It would be another example of NC State stuff if you fire a damn basketball coach at the same time the coach gay's leaving. So now you got a new coach who's figuring it out at the same time Duke has a coach that's figuring it out as North Carolina has a coach that's figuring it out. So I do think it's absurd to think that, oh yeah, you need to fire Kevin Keats because things don't look so great this year. He now doesn't have that NCAA cloud over him. The recruiting's good. He just catches bad breaks with Jalen LeCue and Hall not deciding to step on campus, instead having their situation where they can go pro without actually playing for the pack. You recruit Dillingham. You don't want to lose out on that player in the future. And these young guys are pretty good. Like Sebron and Cam Hayes and Traquavion Smith and Breon Pass. I, I like the guys that Kevin's been recruiting. Robert, want to give you a lot of props because earlier today we had our office Christmas party and Robert delivered with the best, most thoughtful gift that I'm going to receive this year. I'm sure nobody else is going to be able to top this gift. It is a Zion Williamson collectible. Would you call this an action figure? Is there oh, much? Yeah. 
Is there much action you can do with this figure? Uh, I think that's the best Zion's look since Duke. Honestly, he yeah, probably has more action than the real one. <laughs> yeah. How how many pounds would you say the Zion figure, uh, the Zion action figure weighs? Does it have his build weight on the back of it? Let me see. He doesn't even have a belly in that jersey. He looks pretty tall. Yeah, I don't see a belly at all. It also provides a basketball that you can give him too. There you go. You could dunk it. Dunk that basketball. I like it. They gave him a goatee. This is the best gift anyone could give me. And you gave me candy cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In case, like, because I'm always going out and smoking. Me and DJ are smoking on the balcony. So I wanted to give everybody some candy cigarettes. So if they wanted to participate. Here's a question I have. When we go to commercial break, you're probably going to step outside the studio, go to the balcony, and smoke a heater. Somehow smoke a heater within an entire commercial break. Three minutes, three and a half minutes, the commercial break. I don't do it every time, though. I don't go to the balcony every commercial to smoke a cigarette. I want to make that known. I'm not smoking 11 cigarettes in a show. Uh Uh-huh. What do you think? Do you think I can consume one of these candy cigarettes quicker than it takes for you to smoke a heater during a commercial break? I don't know what you're supposed to do with candy cigarettes. (laughs) <laughs> Do uh, you eat them? Uh, I assume so. I, I love the brand. The brand. Yeah, Kangs. They all look like real cigarettes. Oh, yeah. My too. fiance, she was here for the office Christmas party, and she grabbed like one of these cases of cigarettes and said, wow, are we sure these are candy cigarettes? I'm like, yeah. And then she almost put one in her mouth and realized, no, no, these are actually one of Robert's <laughs> real cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, these are Marlboro. Oh, they have candy Marlboros now? That's nice. Way to go, Philip Morris. Yeah, I think uh, if you're just going to eat it, it's probably not a bad thing. Kids just hold them in their mouth, though. I would always just like... But did you used to do the thing with uh, Smarties where you would keep them in the pack and then like lightly untwist the end and kind of rub them together to get the dust going? Yeah, these things aren't chewy. Yeah, No, they're chalky, I would imagine. Very chalky. And you like like pull on it, and as you breathe out... Nick knows what I'm talking about. The Smarties, and you'd breathe out. You it would look like you were study smoking. Hall all the time. Yeah, and the yeah. teachers would be like, stop smoking those Smarties. I'm like, what do, you, <laughs> what do you want me to do in study hall? Like, Two orders of business we need to take care of. There is a college quarterback that apparently urinates a unique color, and Robert is going to cash in on his bachelorette minute bet. That's all next on The Drive. Hey, hey, what's all the commotion? You're on the drive with Josh Graham. If you can't be at least mildly interesting, then shut the hell up. On WSJS Sports. Before we get to the season finale of the Bachelorette Minute, Robert, please tell me you know who Grayson McCall is. The Coastal Carolina quarterback is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard of him. So he has a mullet, runs an offense that's a bit unique. Picture Wake Forest offense, but in the Sun Belt. Great coach in Jamie Chadwell, who's a perfect fit over there in Conway, South Carolina. He has the quarterback that's attracted some pro attention. Many think he was going to go into the transfer portal and play for someone else going into next year. He put out a statement yesterday that looked like he was going to leave Coastal Carolina, either declaring for the draft or announcing he was going to enter the transfer portal. But instead, he announced he was going to stay, and he capped 
his statement with, with much speculation going on all across the country, I felt you guys should be the first to hear it from me. I am coming back to play another year of college football, and it will be in Conway, South Carolina. When I say I piss teal, I mean it. One last ride, baby. Let's do it. Chance forever. He might want to get that checked out, would be my thought. I wonder, where did that expression come from? Like, urinating excellence. Was that Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights, that said that first? Or did it exist before 2007, 2008, when that movie came out? I feel like it was a terrible, like, Walmart t-shirt first. Hmm. But maybe there's a song or another movie that I don't know where... Somebody said it once before, but here in 2021, via these statements and graphics that players put out, you've got Grayson McCall saying that he urinates teal, which I guess is some further down the line iteration of urinating excellence, something of that sort. I I think of Ricky Bobby first when I think of that quote, but good for college football, good for Coastal Carolina that Grayson McCall remains at Coastal, playing on the blue turf, the teal turf down there in Conway, on a field that Ryan McGee told us, and he was doing the Myrtle Beach Bowl the other day, on a field and a stadium that was funded by the biggest donor at at Coastal Carolina University, the guy who founded Hooters. That can't be more Myrtle Beach if you tried. Okay, let's get into the Bachelorette Minute. Last night was the season finale for Michelle's season. So, it's another ongoing, never-ending series of The Bachelorette. That was the hottest kiss of my life. I just want to stand next to her and be with her and hold her. If you really like it. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a a one-in-a-billion girl. You should put a ring on it. This is what I came here for. Welcome to the Bachelorette Minute. Last week we learned that my top pick, Minnesota Joe, was sent home, not a part of the final two, Brandon and Nate, and that meant that Robert had won the Bachelorette bet. We just didn't know if Robert's first pick from this year, Nate, would end up winning the whole damn thing. That's exactly what happened. Nate won the show, even though Michelle's parents loved Brandon, and it's clear that Brandon was head over heels crazy for Michelle, while Nate was just a lot cooler and probably a lot better at sex and probably does not love Michelle the way that Michelle's clearly into him. So he wins. Nate does, but that's probably going to be a six-month engagement, and then we're going to see the inevitable story Instagram post that comes out saying that they split up, but good for Michelle, I guess. They had the live show, Robert, where they had a live studio audience, and this was the part I thought was crazy to me. They had it open up with everybody maskless. Nobody was wearing masks, and then halfway through the show, 
everybody's wearing masks. And they acknowledge it. Apparently, enough people got upset about this on Twitter that they caved to this in real time, even though everybody that was there vaccinated or have presented a negative test. I can't stand when people cave to the internet, man. Like, if they were masked to start, I wouldn't care. But my problem is that they saw a bunch of angry tweets and decided to change things halfway through. You gotta know that people getting mad on Twitter, that's not real outrage. John Curry knows this as well as anybody based on what happened to him at Tennessee. If you just stand pat, show a little bit of backbone, regardless of what your decision is, people are going to move on to the next thing six hours from now, a day from now. They're not going to remember the fact that they weren't wearing masks at the after the rose, after the final rose ceremony. So that was a frustrating thing to see. Nate, your winner. Robert, that means you get to choose a TV show that I have to watch a full season of. But I will say that Sarah Bradford believes that you cheated. Uh, she gave me a big stat today that was like, the odds of you picking two winners are like one point something percent. Well, I'm just trying to do the math in my head. 30 contestants, the last two seasons, we each pick four. You got the two winners, not like the last one standing, the two winners. In order to do that, you have a one point something percent chance of yeah, getting that done. that's the statistic so she gave me. Now, To now, respond to that, I'll say, prove it. So now, all I got to say is, see, last season, Sawyer brought up saying that you told him that you had seen the spoilers and this type of thing. And that was the thing. How are the spoilers out? Like, that was Sawyer being mad about that. Okay. I don't And care. we got through that. You won the bet. now you're bringing up old no, stuff No, no, no. You won the bet. I'm going to serve the punishment, regardless of how you answer this question. So you've won the bet. Did you read the spoilers? No. So you just got lucky picking the last two winners. I've never watched this show on my own merit ever, Uh and I'm better at picking the winner of this show than you are. Well, I'm just saying it would require you to be 1.8% lucky. Well, that's not true either because we didn't just draft one person. We drafted four. Oh, I know. It's eight. Okay, so then do 60. that math. What would that, that be? That's what it is. Well, all I can say is you're that lucky. Pick a new show to watch. Yes, I am not accusing you of anything. I'm just, I'm going I'm just to enabling serve. someone else to accuse you of something. That is correct. I I think I think she just wants you. I think she wants the same thing you want, and that's for me to watch a season of a show. She's a TV person. You guys are on the same team here. I just need to know what. Do I have options? Are you going to present me options, or are no. you just going to tell me what? Yeah, you I'm just going to tell you what. Okay. I was going to give you options, but now that I've been accused of being, but a I'm cheater, not accused. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Sarah Bradford. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I already, I, I already said on the front end. Regardless of how you answer that question, I'm going to serve the punishment because I lost. I lost, and I believe you. So whatever it is, I'm going to choose it, or I'm going to watch it. I'm going to serve the punishment. It's uh, Ozark. I've seen Ozark. All right. Well, it's uh, Breaking Bad. 
I know you haven't seen Breaking Bad. You've only seen the last episode of it because you didn't want to watch the whole show, and you watched the last episode to see what happened. The last season. Sure. Well, now you get to watch the first season. Okay. I watch the first season of Breaking Bad. That's a pretty good show, though. Have you watched all of Breaking Bad? Yes. Okay. And Ozark. I wasn't going to give you a crappy show. Okay. And I also didn't want to give you something that was going to require you to get... Uh, like a streaming service you didn't have. Oh, okay. So, like, I know everybody has Netflix. So, if you went with Ozark, that's on Netflix. Breaking Bad, that's on Netflix. Was there anything else in consideration that I haven't seen the last episode of the show for and know how it ends? Nope. That stinks, dude. You shouldn't. I don't even know why you would do that. Why? Well, I wanted you? to watch the last season with my friends. Uh, so, I didn't know. I didn't know what would happen the first five seasons, but I watched the last season of the show. I was thinking about Game of Thrones, but no. Nah. <laughs> A full season of that? Yep. All right. Breaking Bad it is. Nick, have you seen Breaking Bad? Yeah. Okay. It's good. I remember when I hosted or when I uh, produced for Robert, you told me that you only saw the last season. Yeah. Yeah. Not. That's a true story. So, but you'll enjoy it. If you were to recommend something to Robert, what might might it be? Like, like a TV show that you've seen of late? Any, have you watched good TV lately? Uh, probably The Sopranos, because I'm almost done with that. Oh. Everybody's been trying to get me to watch The Sopranos. Like Everybody's been trying to get you to watch anything, that's because true. you don't watch any TV, Josh. <laughs> that's true. That's you don't true. watch any shows. I know. I know. So people have been like, hey, what? you should check out this. You should check out this. You've never watched anything. <laughs> but now I have to. So it's like... All these people, Robert, you have the opportunity. I, you know, I, I never, I now get to watch a TV show. I get to check one of these off my list. Yeah, it's more like have to, because you could have always <laughs> got to. You could, you, you could have gotten to watch this at any other time. You just haven't. Okay. Can you please give me one that I haven't seen the end? Oh for? my God! See, so give me a great show that I haven't. I know how it ends. I know about playing Baby Blue at the end and Bad Finger. All that I didn't spoil the ending. I just, that's just the the song that plays at the end of Breaking Bad. Even though how many years has it been since Breaking Bad has been off the air? Like the seven thing years. Is, like you would, it would be so far removed from what happens at the end. Like you, you would have no idea how you even got to that point. This one season is so small. Like it, it just goes through how he got to this point. Okay. But I look, I'll find you another show. We'll have that by the end. Of today's show. I appreciate you choosing something good. Because if you were to choose something bad... Well, that's what you're getting now. Now you're getting something oh, terrible. No. Oh, no. This is going to be terrible. North Carolina. Is the, Googling is, TV series that aren't good and are long. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ready? Here we go again. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. I want to run a few things past Brian Geisiger in a sec before we play Out Precise the Geis. Also, Robert won our Bachelorette bet for the season and has to choose a TV show that I haven't seen before to watch a season of. So we'll figure out what that TV show is after our conversation with BG of accsports.com that you can follow on Twitter, a great hoot follow at bguys underscore bird. BG, I'll start 
with the game later on tonight, Duke playing Virginia Tech, because I think it's going to be a really good one. You, in the past, said that you would take Mike Young over any coach in the ACC in one game, given what that guy does in terms of game adjustments, game to game, a really underrated coach. Do you think Duke loses a home game this year because Virginia Tech goes there, obviously. North Carolina, oh, that's going to be a tough one in Coach K's final year. Uh, Coach K's final game, I should say. Syracuse, Florida State goes there. Louisville does not. Virginia, I don't think they have the roster. Do I think that Virginia Tech has a shot tonight because I think they're that good. Do you think a team knocks off Duke and Cameron this year? Yeah, it's weird because Duke is so clearly the best team in the ACC, right? But... um you know, randomness happens. I don't think Duke, as good as they are, and they can win a national title, and they've got a lot of really good players on the roster, including a guy that's in contention for the number one pick with Paolo Bencaro. But, you know, I don't think they're – I don't think they're so far ahead that they're just going to easily just plow through conference play. Um, and given just where we are with the state of the world in the pandemic – you just never know what could happen, right? Like Duke could end up, um, you know, Duke could end up having to play a game without Ben Caro or without Wendell Moore Jr. or something like you just like weird stuff could happen. So if you were to set the over under at home losses at 0.5, I would take the over um, just because I assume at some point over the next three months or two and a half months, something will occur. Something will happen. Not like, you know, COVID related necessarily, but that they'll lose uh, a home game. Um, but yeah, Duke is going to be, they should be thoroughly dominant on their home court. And um, and we'll see what Virginia Tech has cooked up for them for whatever it's worth. If you have seen any of the Hokies so far this year, they've looked a little up and down, but when they have been down, they have struggled with teams that have thrown length and athleticism at them. And that is certainly something that this Blue Devils roster has uh, quite a bit of, especially with A.J. Griffin kind of coming online more since the uh, the two-week layoff. And Virginia Tech has not looked better than the 36-point win they handed uh, St. Bonaventure on Friday night in Charlotte. Brian Geisinger with us here on Twitter at bgeis underscore bird. A couple more things. Hubert Davis. I don't think this is a contender in the ACC I've said that since the beginning of the year. I thought that was unrealistic for a first-year coach. But I also think Hubert's doing a good job in the first month of the season. And last night was a good example of it where they just take care of business against App State. The focus is there. They didn't feel sorry for themselves. They weren't looking ahead to the holidays the way that they looked like they were looking ahead to Michigan and even admitted as much after the UNC Asheville game. I think we're seeing growth already in a short period of time. And the best sign, I think, for Hubert Davis that maybe North Carolina's got a pretty good coach here, he hasn't lost to a lesser team yet, a lesser even team. Took care of Michigan at home, won on the road at the College of Charleston. Yes, the margin wasn't good against Kentucky or Purdue, but the three teams that they lost to are all ranked in the top 25 and are all teams I feel that are better than North Carolina. If UNC has a coach that wins the games that they're supposed to win, well... There, there are not that many teams that are going to have more talent than the Tar Heels if Hubert Davis continues to recruit the way he has this offseason. So I think Hubert's off to a good start, and I think that can be true at the same time as North Carolina not being an ACC contender. Do you feel the same way? 
I'm close. I'm close to that. I definitely agree that like, I think Hubert's done a pretty nice job. Um, I know the Kentucky game was, was not pretty, but I do think it's worth remembering uh, just how weird the end of last week was for UNC. Like you think you're playing UCLA, you're traveling across the country in the middle of a pandemic. And then 24 hours ahead of that, it gets flipped to a different team. Oh, and guess what? That team's not like you, me, Robert, and two of the people off the street. It's the Kentucky freaking Wildcats with Ty Ty Washington and Oscar Shibway and Kellen Grady. Like, Kentucky's really good. I actually think Kentucky's like – there's a pretty big gap between Kentucky's – at least heading into last week, there was a pretty big gap between Kentucky's, like, AP ranking, where they were, like, you know, what, 21 heading into the UNC game, and where they show up in terms of stuff like Ken Palm, where they're, like, a borderline top-10 team which is where Tennessee is too. And Tennessee's got a great point guard in Kennedy Chandler and Kentucky's got an amazing offensive rebounder in Oscar Shibway. He's the best in the country. They're the best offensive rebounding team in the country. UNC obviously got pummeled on the defensive blast. That doesn't usually happen. I think that's an aberration. This is a good defensive rebounding team for UNC. And I think they're quite, they're a rather good offensive team as well. Um, I think Hubert Davis has brought in a lot of really good sets. They're doing some creative stuff with Brady Manick. It was great to see Kerwin Walton finally get loose in the second half against App. I've written about all of this stuff, and I'm in the middle of another piece for ACCSports.com on some of the stuff they did versus Kentucky and App, good, bad, and the otherwise. Um, Caleb loves the ceiling raiser for them. That's good and bad. Love's really, really talented. Um, but he, there are some concerns with him as a lead ball handler. And you even saw that early in the app game. He threw a couple of sort of like bewildering passes. He can still struggle to get space and will take some tough shots trying to get downhill. Um, so much of his game is predicated off that step back and pull up game, which is great when the shots are going in and he's rocking and rolling and the Dean Dome's going nuts. It, it looks awesome, which is what happened against Michigan. But, um, but yeah, like he's not Dame Lillard, you know, it's like, you know, he's not going to, it's those step, some nights, those step back shots aren't going to look great. Um, and when that happens, then what do you have? And I do think Hubert's got some good stuff queued up that can help love as a ball handler, but that's just going to be something you're gonna have to manage all season. As far as they go as a title contender in the ACC or beyond, I don't think the defense is quite good enough. So I guess I do align myself with you there. Like, they're just right now, they're not a very good defensive team, despite the fact that they, I think, are a pretty good defensive rebounding team. So that probably puts somewhat a cap on their, like, you know, ACC, best team in the ACC status or whatever. But I do think, I mean, I maintain that they're in that next category below Duke. And so you never know what can happen over the course of the season. But, yeah, for now, I don't think the defense is good enough to sort of label them as, like, a, a contender, like, A-level contender. And I don't think they fare well in the NCAA tournament, too, for the reason you outlined how poorly they did to learning that their opponent was Kentucky and having that one-day prep. That's something that you're going to have to deal with in the tournament. Coach K gets a lot of criticism for, you know, not playing true road games, but instead preferring these big showcases in these big venues. And he's even said in the past that he won't expose the team to some of the sets and things and until like one day out to try and prepare his teams for what you're going to see in the NCAA tournament, North Carolina, 0-3 and neutral site games so far this year. And again, that's okay. It's, it's year one for Hubert Davis. They're still trying to figure things out. NC State, on the other hand, BG, whew, lost to two mid-majors in a row. Richmond and to Wright State and these really were not that close like you watch it like the the right team won these games 
Manny Bates' injury, that can't be overstated. Can't blame that on Kevin Keats or anything. But this team, I think we're about to watch the worst NC State basketball season we've seen in at least 10 years, maybe 20 if they win fewer than 15 games, something that hasn't happened since 2000, 2001. Because right now they have seven wins. And now you're going into ACC play. I don't know if this is a team that's going to win eight games in ACC play in a 20-game schedule. But the irony of all of it is it comes, they lose this game the day that the NCAA announces, hey, you don't have a postseason ban. Well, <laughs> we, we don't have a great team to throw out here right now. And it just so happens to coincide with the same year that the ACC doesn't have more than one ranked team currently. So there seems to be a lot of opportunity too. And NC State's not the team, I think, to take advantage of that opportunity, don't you think? It's just, it's hard to stress like how big of a loss Bates is, like not to use it as an excuse or whatever, but it's like he was, and I think they've gotten like better than, better than could have been reasonably expected production from E.B. Duana, who we saw basically none of last season and has turned into being a pretty good, uh, you know, rim protector for, I mean, no blocks last night, but I think Duana has been pretty good. And like when he's been on the court, State's defense for most of the season has been workable. Um, but he's not Manny Bates, who's like, you know, a, you know, an NBA prospect because of his ability when healthy to protect the rim. Um, I mean, someone like Darion Sebron coming online has been huge for State this year. He's really the one guy on this roster that can get to the rim consistently. And he does it better than just about anybody in the ACC, if not the entire country. Like Sebron can't really shoot. They don't really have that many shooters around him, but he still manages, you know, Euro stepping in transition or pro hopping in the half court, coming off these ball screens. Like Sebron still gets to the rim, um, but an off night shooting for him last night, three of 10 on twos. And it's just like, if that happens, like if, if it takes Darion Sebron 12 shots to get 10 points and he only attempts two free throws, like state is going to lose that game pretty much every time, regardless of an, of, of opponent. I mean, it's a brutal loss last night, you know, Wright state comes in three and seven, basically, I think around 200th in terms of Ken Palm's adjusted efficient efficiency margin and for state to cough that up at home, pretty disappointing. I didn't think though the Richmond loss was like that disheartening Richmond is, a good team that could totally win um, that could absolutely win the a 10 this year. And they're really old. That's like one of the oldest, most experienced teams in the country too. So I thought that one wasn't too bad. And I thought state at times looked like the better team in that, in that matchup, but the right state is met loss is brutal. And yeah, they do look like they look like one of those uh, right now. They have the ability. They, I still think they're better than some of these teams. We'll see how it plays out. But yeah, they look like um, it's like an early Sydney Lowe team at state, right? <laughs> like the 2008 Sydney. I mean, I think that's that's how far back you have to go. I think you have to go back. JJ Hickson. Uh, yeah, the, that's the year where they lost like what eight games in a row to end the season, and they were also um, like an outside the top 100 team that year. And then even then, the the, the the 2009 2010 teams weren't great either. Um, and I was a student at NC State for some of those teams, which gives away uh, a little bit how old I am, but um, yeah, I did, right now it's not great. I still think Sebron has been awesome. And I think he has the chance to, to, to do some damage for them this year, but they're not a very good defensive team. In fact, they're, they're quite a bad defensive team right now. They get worse when Dewan is off the court and outside of Sebron, they're really lacking in terms of half court creation because Cam Hayes is good, but 
he doesn't get to the rim. He's more of a pull-up shooter. Jaquavion Smith is good, but he's a freshman guard. He's skinny. He doesn't really get to the rim either. And, like, that's kind of about it. Hellums is what he is. He's a, he's a nice catch-and-shoot player. Um, he's maybe a little overtaxed with what they're asking him to do this yeah. year. So it's, it's going to be a tough year for, for State, um, even with Sebron playing outstanding basketball, uh, you know, up until last night. Let's shift things from college basketball to the NBA. It's time to out-precise the guys. Brian Geisinger is a basketball genius. Josh Graham uh, is not. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. Listen as Brian launches half-court shots and Josh, well, double dribbles all over himself. And there's nothing you can do about it. Get off the bench and try to out-precise the guys. All right, I feel like we haven't done this in a couple weeks. It's been a while, and a lot of stuff has happened in the NBA uh, since the last time we've done this. So I'm going to cut through all the minutiae, and we're going to get to the good stuff right off the bat. Uh, Okay, so Steph Curry broke the three-point record while we have been on hiatus from this. Uh, What percent of Steph Curry's 19,219 career points are from made threes? Hmm. So out of all of his total career points, how many of those are from threes that he's made? Oh, percent man. wise, I'm looking for a percent here too. Yeah. Um I am gonna go with um I'm gonna go with forty eight percent. Oh, we're going percentage. Okay, I have I had a number written down. What's like 8,900? Because I don't want to cheat and base it on his number. 8,900 out of 19 to 19. I'd say that's probably about 45%. Hold on. I'm putting it in for you. Give me your number again. We're going to do eight, this on the fly. 8,990. 8,990 divided by what I said. 19, is... Pretty close, actually. Josh, you're closer than BG is. What you said was 46.77%. It's actually 46.61%. So a hair under 50% of his total points for his entire career have came from three-pointers. And my friend was like, oh, he's got to be in like the top 10 of scoring, right? Nah, I think he's like 30. I think he's 30th for points all time. Might not even get a chance to move into the top 20. Uh, And I thought that was pretty rare. So wait, what was the what was the scoring like? What was the who was closer on that one? I was. He he was by what? It, what was Josh's guess? Forty six point seven seven percent. Do you want, the, do you, oh, want, do okay. you want right, the yeah. numerical breakdown of it? I gave I gave the the number of points overall, and Robert converted it. Okay, gotcha. He's kind of cheating, but yeah, it's kind of yeah. cheating. Sorry like, about oh, that. I know how many threes there are, so I'm just going to take that number. Anyway, whatever. It's America. Uh, December 20th. Fair. That's why I'm going to stick you with the crappiest show I can possibly no, stick you with. No, please don't do that. So, guys, I I won this Bachelor bet between oh. the two of us, and apparently <laughs> he doesn't think I cheated, but his fiance did. That's right. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I gave him – he had to watch one season of any show that I chose, and I chose to give him Breaking Bad. He didn't okay. like that because he had watched only the final season yeah, with his I've friends in college. He didn't want to do that. I said Ozark. He says he's seen Ozark, which I also that. don't believe. Oh, I don't, no, it's true. I, I'd seen it. All four seasons. Oh, no, I've watched the first two. I, st- <laughs> so I, I haven't seen the final three Because he seasons. did that, 
he was like, all right, find me a new show, a new season you want me to watch. So I've got it. I've got it linked down to two. Uh, one okay. is on Hulu. One is on Peacock. Do you have uh, access to either one of those, Josh? I think I have access to Hulu. Okay, cool. Great. It's been decided. I can't wait to tell you guys here in a second. But first, we got to get right. to the second question of this. December 20th against the Celtics, Joel Embiid became the second player to score 40 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, and four blocks for the third time in his career. Only behind career Abdul-Jabbar, who has done it more times than anyone else in the NBA. How many times has he done it? Ooh, the captain, Kareem. So Joel Embiid did it how many times? Three. Okay. And he is the only other person to do it three times with Mm. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who has done it the most. All right. I'll say um, I'll go four for Kareem. I've got nine. I think it's something ridiculous. He's been around like forever. Played like, what, 20 years in the league? 21? It was four. Oh, well. So guys, right. right on the- I, I, I thought Robert was going to do something like, whoa, <laughs> that's ridiculous. It, it's hard to it's hard to put up those numbers, man. And um, yeah, you got to think some of Kareem's years were coming at a time of like fewer, like maybe more minutes, but fewer possessions in those some of those games, too. But um, yeah, man, Kareem, by the way, he rules like Kareem is awesome. Yeah. Um, underrated like actually somehow underrated as like one of the greatest players of all time and like is one of the uh i don't know kareem has a blog and it's actually like he is one of the few people with a blog that's like worth reading yeah kareem has kareem is generally speaking good thoughts on the world it's good stuff also What's- super underrated in tv shows i don't know if you've watched dave before but him on dave i thought that episode was incredible as he talks about yes. all the things that like Dave is making light of. Anyway, I don't want to get too much into a good TV show that I'm not going to make Josh work. I'd much rather finish this game out. <laughs> all right, thanks. Uh, in LeBron's last three games, he has taken fewer dribbles per touch than any other game this season. Uh, on Sunday, LeBron tied his season high for points in the paint with 20. Uh, it also would help to know that AD was out those three games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How many times did he post up in that game, which was also a season high? How many times did LeBron post up against the Bulls? Yeah, they're going to have to start playing some of these LeBron at center lineups with AD out for that long. They're just going to have to. They don't have a choice. Um, and by the way, they got absolutely steamrolled by the Suns last night. It's a Lakers are in a weird, weird spot right now. They're in, they're in more trouble than, than you might think. Are you worried um, about AD at all? Like, I just feel yeah. like, he, like he, physically he yeah. doesn't seem like the same player. Yeah, he's it, it, not been – I mean, his, his jump shot has completely fallen off a cliff since the bubble. And, um, and yeah, this is the second year in a row now. He has not been able to make it a full – I mean, he's battled injuries his entire career. Um, but, yeah, I, I would be worried. He just seems more fragile and less explosive and less dominant defensively than he needed to be. I mean, he's still awesome, and the Lakers with LeBron and AD on the court still very good. But um, man, they're, they're right now they're tracking for the, the play-in tournament. So um, LeBron also having his least efficient season in terms of post-up efficiency as well. So maybe starting to show a little bit of signs of decay here. Um, I will say I'll say I'll say eleven post-ups for LeBron. I got nineteen. And ten. Ten post-ups uh, is the season high for him. All right. I lost. Let's go. I hate this Let's game. Go. And I bet I'm going to hate the, the show that Robert's going to bring to. What, <laughs> it, dep- it depends how you feel about someone slaying vampires because you're going to be watching the first season of Buffy. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like a classic. All right. A classic.
Is that the one with Sookie? <laughs> no, that's True Blood. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You got to go further back in the time machine. All right. One. Thanks. Thanks, PG, for the time. Yeah, anytime, y'all. Be good. Thank you for nothing.